Welcome to another Thursday with Third Path webinar. We are so glad you are here today. Uh, we have really been learning about how to make these webinars something where you, the participant, can get involved. So today's not just a regular Thursday webinar. Today is one of our town hall style webinars. So if you're participating in today's webinar, you're going to get a chance to really participate, ask questions, think about how these ideas apply to your lives. Um, and we're really glad you're here today. So I'm, I'm Jessica Groot, and I'm the founder of Third Path Institute. And today we've got some pretty amazing guests. Uh, not only are we going to hear from uh, Sue Campbell and Amy Beacom about their amazing book, The Parental uh, the Parental Leave Playbook, which, by the way, I read a while ago, and as soon as I read it, I said, we're getting them on our Thursday webinars because this is just so aligned with what Third Path is thinking about. It's talking about the idea that, you know, if we think smart about parental leave, if men and women and all parents think smart about parental leave, it can really reshape our families, our workplaces, and our society. And so, they're going to start us off and talk a little bit about their book and how profound and important it is. And then we've got some other great participants. We've got a researcher, Rachel Pettigrew, who's going to talk about how there's lots of evidence by getting men and women involved with, you know, thinking about family uh, right from the start around parental leave, how it can make significant change in our world. And I also have some real live young people to speak about how they've been thinking about these issues in their own lives as they think about the future. How will they imagine work and family one day when they become parents? So we hope it's an opportunity for everybody, no matter where you are in the equation of thinking about work-life integration, thinking ahead, already in the middle of it. We see this as a webinar where you're really going to learn something and get a chance to talk in our town hall style webinar today. To get started, I want to give a couple of uh, shared screens about uh, the book that we're talking about first. Um, and then we're going to get Rachel, sorry, then we're going to get Sue and Amy to talk some more about, uh, then we're going to get Amy and Sue to talk some more about this wonderful book. I only have two slides to quickly summarize all the important things that are talked about in the uh, parental leave playbook. But the first one is pretty straightforward. It's talking about how you can think about parental leave in three phases, preparing for leave, actually taking your leave, and then returning from leave. I'm going to talk about all the different parts of each of those phases in a second, and then you're going to hear from Amy and Sue in more detail. But there's a couple of words that I think were really important that I wanted to emphasize as we think about this phases of leave. One is they're really encouraging you to assess the opportunities and challenges you might face as you're preparing for leave or all the way through leave, they're getting you good assessment tools. They're also encouraging you to be a self-advocate. Really think about what do you as a person, as a parent, as a family need when you think ahead about yourself as a working parent and to get good at advocating for yourself and your own needs. And they also talk a lot about um, the importance of um, acknowledging the change. There are many strong points in this book, but this is one of the ones that I love the best because they're really encouraging you at each stage to say, huh, 
this is a big life change. And, you know, what do we need to do to um, get, make sure that we're ready for this change? So I won't go into all of these points. I'm going to let Amy and Sue explain a few of them if they want to. But you can see in the phase one, there's an assessment that can happen. In phase two, there's some advocacy can, that can happen. And in phase three, there's an acknowledgement of how the changes are happening in your life um, and, uh, you know, how to really make the most of this opportunity. Last but almost not least, I love the way that Amy talks about dads all the way through the book and quotes Scott Beeson around the importance about fathers taking leave. This is definitely something we're going to touch on today. It really makes a big difference that this book was written for any parent to think about these issues. Married, single, living apart, moms, dads, all genders are really, really included in this book. Um, and that it's back to the most important point that I'm trying to make sure we really focus in on today, that when we think about these ideas, the way that Amy's and Sue have explained in this book, it really is a chance for us to get our organizations to leverage this change, leverage parental leave to become a better workplace, support people to work smarter. That's something Third Path has been involved with and thought about forever. And it was so good to see this important point raised in Amy and Sue's wonderful book. Welcome, Amy and Sue. Thank you for writing such a wonderful book. Um, I didn't even begin to do it justice in my introductory comments. Maybe starting with you, Amy, um, we've, we've talked a lot about, you know, this is uh, really coming to fruition, something that you've cared so much about. Um, you've really put your life's blood into this idea and this book and the organization that you run. What would you like to add? What are some important points you'd like to make right from the start about uh, how this all plays out? Well, first, Jessica, thank you so much. I have been a fan of Third Path for, I don't know, is it possible, 15, 20 plus years? <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm really grateful to have gotten to know you better over the last year and seeing how much alignment there is between our organizations and all the work that you've done for so long um, on these issues as well. Um, you know what, the one thing that was coming to mind as you were just talking um, that I'll just start with sort of randomly is this word parental leave. We have um, spent so many years trying to redefine what's happening during this time frame, And for so long that um, parental leave was really considered sort of this time out in a woman's career because men weren't being considered and gender um, differences across the board weren't being considered. And, um, and so it was just this time away that we didn't talk about. You came back, you're supposed to fit into your work, keep going, everything's fine. Um, so I think that's just the first thing to talk about when we consider this time frame because what I started having to do 15 years ago is just change our language. So changing, um, thinking of this as a time of transition in a personal life and a professional career that spans time. So there's, we broke it into these three phases in the preparing for leave, during leave, and returning from leave to indicate that 
in the US roughly a year's worth of time in other countries, as I hope Rachel will talk about, um, a much longer time is given for that human and work transition. Um, so that, that's one thing, just to really start paying attention to our language and our assumptions and our biases and shifting into this idea that during this time, there's a transition in your relationship with your work and your relationship with your life that really needs that consideration. The other thing I'll just say that's a little more fun is we were having this conversation with um, author Eve Rodsky, and we were talking about this parental leave, and she got, you know, sort of put her hand down on the table and said, you know, I'm sick of this word parental leave. Why aren't we calling it parental stay? <laughs> and I thought that was so right on. Like this, you're, it's an opportunity. We talk about retention. And obviously, if parental leave is done well, it is a huge retention tool. But what we don't talk about is what sits behind that. And that is that opportunity to stay involved in your life and in your work. Um, so the, the leave is a little bit of a misnomer. I love that point. It's certainly right in line with uh, the whole message of the book, right? You know, uh, you're really trying to help people see past leave into a life as a working parent um, and what that will and how that will look different for every family um, and, and, and to encourage each person and organizations to think smarter about this. That's wonderful. Sue, so you've been listening in. What would you like to add right off the top that you think has been really uh, uh, something you've been learning as the, as the book's gotten out there into the public? And, you know, Gren, hats off to both of you. It's really great to see it out there. Oh, thanks so much. Um, yeah, and thanks for having us. This is wonderful. And I can't wait to hear from everyone else as well. We've never done a, like a panel style before. I'm like, oh, I can't wait for others to weigh in. Um, I really love that when in your overview, you focused on the assessment that that really called to you, because I think that is a piece that really gets overlooked. And very often as parents, if when we're parents for the first time and we're in a workplace, we're kind of waiting for someone to hand us the plan. Like here, this is how this works. <laughs> Here's what you do. And, you know, most of the parents Amy and I have talked to over the years, that is not what they experience. Most workplaces are reinventing the wheel with every single parent who goes out on leave. They don't have a set of best practices that they're relying on. So one of the reasons that we wanted to get the book out into the world and put it in the hands of parents was so that they had a tool to empower them to lead the experience instead of wait to be told. Because you're gonna, <laughs> your experience is not going to go as well as it could if you're in reaction mode. So doing that assessment phase and really looking at what are all of the elements of my situation what are all of the strategies I have at my disposal? Um, what are my personality assets that I'm bringing to this? What are the things that could go wrong that could potentially sabotage me here? How do I mitigate some of those liabilities? Doing that assessment phase is so critical for a really successful leave, however you define success. And um, Amy and I spent a great deal of time on that in the book. Amy and our um, researcher, whose name is also Amy, Amy Pitlavani, have worked together to bring to fruition Amy's vision of a, an assessment tool that can actually do that for a new parent and spit out a report and you can work with a coach and really figure out how to maximize all of the inherent opportunities of your leave rather than just like, I just need to pass off my work, go spend time with my baby and then come back and pick it all up again. It's so much more than that. 
It is so much more than that. And Sue, I think the reason why Third Path in particular and me in, in particular too picked up on that is because, you know, so many people in the Third Path community have been totally inventing new ways of thinking. And the way that they invented new ways of thinking was to first do that kind of like, okay, what, what's in my corner that I can make happen here? And, and do I have a plan B if plan A isn't going to happen? So, you know, we're, Amen, we're a yeah. community of people. Yeah, we're a community of people who said, look, I want to have work in my life. And I also want to have family in my life. And so they've had to invent a lot. Um, and I've always talked to them about, you know, you need a plan A. And then you need a plan B. <laughs> because, and sometimes uh, a plan C. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, you, you've done, a, you know, one other third path thing that you've done so well, either one of you could speak to this, is that we, it's, this is about men and women. This is all genders thinking about this issue where did that passion come from and why is that so important? And why, you know, I joke in, hmm. in this wonderful book, you, when you guys go and buy this book and you read it, almost every other story is a, is a story of a dad or, or somebody of any gender thinking differently about this. Um, tell me more about where that passion came from and why is that so important? Oh, Jessica, that is so interesting. Um, no one has ever asked me that and I've never paused to think about that, but I, I know the answer since you just asked me. Um, well, first of all, I've been doing work my you know for 30 years in gender equity, and you can't have one without the other. Like that's just known. Um, there's a lot of wonderful research in other countries about this as well. But what came to mind when you just asked me that is really what I learned from my mentor, who I started working with 30 years ago. And at the time, um, he had a three-year-old son and he and his partner, they're a, a gay uh, two males partner. And um, what it just became the norm of my life. I was just out of college and that was just the norm for me. It was, it, they were very much trailblazers in our country being two first dads to adopt. But um, for me, it was normal. It, and it goes further back through my mom and whatever, but I've just grown up that way. So it doesn't, it isn't unusual. Right? Um, and then living in New York and Portland um, just solidifies that. Yeah. And again, we'll hear more from Rachel Pettigrew about this, but you know, what we really see is that this is what men want. And it really changes, it changes the game um, when we really get uh, to see this as men and women and people of all genders thinking about how to transition into parenthood in a way that makes sense for them. And then to take some of what they've learned in parental leave and planning for parental leave and returning to work, as you'll hear a little bit later into the, into today's town hall as a way to keep that mindset going further um, as, as people continue in their work and family integration journey. So there might be something you want to add. Yeah, Yeah, I just want to share like one of my personal revelations um, and deepening my understanding when I started working with Amy, like eight, almost eight years ago now, um, is it's like she was really trailblazing and talking about like moms and dads, right? And even when she started work, it was moms. And she very quickly realized that dads had to be a part of it. And now we know like we need to open it up even further. However you identify, whatever you use, whatever gender, if you're becoming a parent and starting a family, this applies to you. 
And my initial attitude was like, can we just take care of the women, please? Like, (laughs) right? That was kind of my mentality. And it was really awakening for me to see that actually when it is just as likely that any person in the workplace will be taking a caregiving leave of some kind, it levels the playing fields for all genders at work because there's no longer this unconscious bias of, well, Sue will probably want to have a baby and she's going to be out. And so we can't rely on her to be as dedicated, rah, 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 right? So that leveling the playing field and it's not a zero sum game. Getting something for women is not taking something away from anybody else. Like giving something to men is not taking things away from women. Everybody needs to be brought up, right? We all need to up level and we all need to take care of each other. And then absolutely everybody wins. Yeah. And so it even goes beyond because then again, you, we all, and we're going to hear this from Rachel, but you know, when you get uh, men into the pattern of caregiving early on, it continues for the life of those, uh, that, that family. And so it really does actually make a huge difference in women's lives when we get men involved with parental leave right from the start. Lots of statistics on that one. Last but not least, and, and I'll, we're going to wrap it up shortly um, and you know, hear from some of the other panelists, but you know, I talk a little bit about, um, I'm going to just read from that quote again, companies that harness the abundant opportunities that parental leave offers improve their organization through delegation, systematization, flexibility, cross-training, And then I love this part, and that's not even touching the individual human growth and downstream societal impact. So this is powerful stuff. Yes, it's just about parental leave, but this is touching on our organizations becoming smarter, our society becoming more successful. Am I making a mountain out of a molehill? Amy, what would you like to add to that? And then we'll hear from Sue. No, I think you hit hit it right at the heart of it. Um, that is my goal. <laughs> that is the hope. I, my background is in my doctorate's in organizational psychology um, and you know, a few other things, <laughs> but <laughs> that is it. We need societal change. And I consciously focused my career, which had previously been in executive leadership and women's leadership um, on the parental leave timeframe, because I believed and still do that it is the most overlooked opportunity for us to move the greatest number of issues that we face within our homes and our workplaces and our larger society um, if we do it well. And so, um, yeah, that is, that is what I believe. (laughs) Good, good, good. I want to hear from Sue, but before we do just a little tidbit about what's coming next, you're going to hear from somebody a young person whose parents really did redesign their work and family. And you'll see it's exactly what Amy talked about um, moving into positions of leadership. These people had followed this integrated path and now they're a very different kind of leader too. Um, and so this is, this is a long-term impact. You're starting at parental leave, but it can really have a long-term impact on where you go and how our society goes. So what would you like to add? I just want to add that I'm so very, very hopeful. I think we're at really a turning point in our culture where people are realizing that there is a different and better way that's available and they are starting to get vocal and push for it in in a very positive way, right? In a way that shows what is possible 
and that we're not detracting from workplace productivity or the bottom line or any of those things, right? We can open up our humanity in a way that the workplace wins, the home life wins, and everybody wins. So I'm just very hopeful and excited to watch what's going to happen over the course of the next, you know, 10 years. Yeah. And in a weird way, we have the pandemic to thank (laughs) for us maybe waking up a little bit about how we can really do work and our lives outside of work very differently. Wonderful, wonderful. I want to put a couple other, uh, show a couple other things. One of the things you'll hear about in today's webinar, and you've probably heard on other Thursday webinars, is that this is just the beginning. Parental leave is a really important beginning. Please, let's not lose track of that truth. Uh, parental leave is an important beginning. Um, and then we have the, you know, the babies with us for a while. Um, and so what we're trying to talk about today is that, you know, um, this is the start of you thinking in an integrated way, if that's of interest to you. Um, and then your kid becomes school age and you're dealing with after school care or you're thinking about how to redesign your schedule so you and your partner can share taking care of after school care. You'll hear a little bit more about that um, in one of our stories. Or there's summer care um, that can be a real stressor for families. Um, and again, you're going to hear there's some outside the box thinking that can happen once parents are thinking differently right from the start. Um, I also want to point out that, you know, uh, we've been dealing with people who've been thinking this way for a very, very long time. And so you can go to our last webinar and hear from Roger, one of our many pioneering people who've gone ahead in their careers thinking differently about these issues. Um, and Roger's also going to be at our uh, parents forum that's happening next week. Um, and so we're really trying to grow a community of people that you can connect with and learn from at whatever stage you're in about what's around the corner as you're reaching for your work family integration goals. What's coming up next is we're going to hear from Rachel Pettigrew. As I mentioned, she's been doing research for a long time around why supporting men and women to think differently around uh, work and caregiving really can have long-term impact for our organizations and our society. You're going to hear a personal story from Cameron, who is actually the daughter of one of our pioneering leaders, someone who was, uh, we met many, many years ago, who moved ahead in her career um, as she integrated work and family. And Cameron, as the daughter, watched her mom and dad do things in kind of new and interesting ways, and you'll hear firsthand from Cameron about what that was like and how that's shaped her. And you're also going to hear from the Project Matriarch, as we believe if we're going to make real change, it comes from research, it comes from role models, and it comes from people advocating for change. And I was really thrilled to meet Project Matriarch this past summer and the work they're doing to try to help us all think smarter about how we can integrate work and family. And we have lots of free resources on our website. You can, in fact, up until the Parents Forum, you can download our uh, Third Path Work Family Options Workbook for free. Um, and we've got lots of other great resources available for you to help you on your work family integration journey. All right. So let's hear from Rachel, Cameron, and from Pilar. We're going to put their videos on. Wonderful. Great. And Rachel, awesome. Hey, so glad to have you guys with us. 
Um, again, we're going to put the whole gang on a little bit later. We're going to open it up as a town hall style webinar where we can get lots more interaction happening. Um, but I really wanted to make sure we could underscore a few different points on today's webinar, starting with you, Rachel. This is a personal issue. People are trying to figure this out for themselves. But this is something societies have been trying to figure out as um, we, you know, reimagine what work and family is supposed to look like. What have you learned about the importance of how parental leave influences families, men, women, workplaces? Where would you like to begin, Rachel? Oh, gosh, I could go on for hours. I feel like this conversation with uh, (laughs) Sue and Amy is just so in my wheelhouse, and I love it. Um, Yeah, so I think it's the conversation is really rooted in those gender role expectations that we all have that we um, are raised with kind of these subconscious assumptions around who is responsible for care. So we primarily still in society have this unspoken rule that that the care work is done by women. And so a lot of what we're talking about here today is actually challenging those assumptions and creating space for dads to step in and creating space for parents to be moms to be really Uh, work focused and try to create balance by uh, creating that space. So what I would, what I would encourage as one of the steps is actually being really explicit with the expectations and checking in on our assumptions. You know, I would actually say this almost begins with like how we choose our partners, (laughs) making sure that the alignment between what your work life expectations and that of your partner, your future partner are in alignment is probably a really important step. But then beyond that, being really clear about, um, Often we just defer to women as the one who's going to take parental leave, but being really thoughtful in our approach with uh, thinking of that as a whole family decision, right? Um, So uh, super excited to see Dr. Richard Petz on the call too. Um, A lot of his research as well as mine has focused on father engagement and he's done some really early engagement uh, work as well. Um, But Looking at early childhood engagement for dads is so important. So a dad taking parental leave and is there and, and doing full-time care for a child early on, they have better life satisfaction, better um, engagement with the child long-term. They have a sense of parenting mastery. Um, there's kind of a, there's more marital satisfaction long-term because um, if someone starts early, they're more likely to share as time goes on. Um, in addition, dads learn skills at home parenting that they can translate into the workplace makes them more empathetic leaders when there's uh, care requirements for example so there's a variety of ways not 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 the very least to mention that a dad in a workplace taking parental leave or taking time to care is also modeling this really important um you know workplace expectation. So my work has shown that uh, dads are more likely to take leave when they see a coworker take it uh, successfully without suffering some repercussions from doing that. So I think we, what we need to do is increase the visibility of fatherhood in the workplace and organizations need to shift how they view this. I mean, right across the board. And I think the parental leave handbook by Emily and Sue is really important as a, uh, for individuals, but also employers should have a, a, a read yeah. of that and think strategically about the experience that employees have 
during that process can really reinforce commitment to the organization, or they can spend their parental leave kind of looking for other employment options, right? So understanding that employees have care responsibilities outside of work. And I love that table that you showed with all the different phases of parenthood. But I think also employers need to be thinking about elder care, looking at with our aging um, population as well. So understanding employees have those responsibilities outside of work. And what I really love about some uh, the parental leave handbook is that it's giving a tool for people to be proactive in their approach to managing uh, that transition. So not every employer is super proactive with how they manage this. And I'm joining the call today from Canada. Uh, we have a very different, we have a paid parental leave uh, system here that uh, maternity and parental leave combined is up to a year and a half. Um, and so, but even in that context, only 10% of leave users are men. So we have our own work to do too. But even here, where it's the norm and we have these formal paid policies, some employers are better than others at onboarding, offboarding, degendering their policies uh, so that the policies are, are perceived as accessible for fathers too. Um, so I would encourage uh, you know, us to really be thinking about the benefits that are offered when we're having that strategic decision uh, conversation with our partners, that we create space for men, that we think about the, the positive outcomes that they can benefit from their engagement with early parenting. And then I also think that remembering that we're modeling that behavior in the workplace. So my two cents. Wow. And I would say, final thought is one of the things I really always want to say is there's no one way to do this. Um, every individual and every family uh, do what works best for them within the constraints of what they have. Um, and uh, But I think being proactive, explicit, upfront, and being really decisive about it will make that transition much smoother. Amen to everything you said. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. And it really goes right back to Sue's point about doing kind of an assessment about, you know, what are your, what are the opportunities? What are some of the challenges early on? So you can kind of uh, lower the, the problems and increase the opportunities. Um, and that each family or each parent, if it's a single parent household, will be solving this the way that's right for them, because it's going to look different from family to family. You know, I loved that you started off right by talking about gender roles. Um, it's amazing. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring some young people into this call. It's amazing how much we uh, can still think in old, old school approaches to gender um, without even realizing it. And, um, and I think role modeling is one of the best ways we can start, start changing that. So, you know, uh, we have a lot of calls where men and women both talk about their work-family balance and the women listening to the men talk about their work family needs helps them remember, oh, right, my husband could do things differently too. Yeah. So this gender stuff, um, it's amazing how much it can kind of seep into our unconscious and to get smart about it is a, a really way to, to make more, more options available to us. You know? Can I add to that too? I think um, from the employer perspective, we need to, to change our policies to reflect the gender diversity we see. So, um, you know, how would these policies impact LGBT uh, parents? Uh, how would, uh, you know, those who are non-binary, how is that showing up in, in the policy and, and using those really binary terms often can leave some to feel excluded from that. But it's one of the, the byproducts of degendering some of those, because often we'll refer to things like um, maternity leave or, or mother's leave or something like that, when really it's um, a universal leave that both men and women or 
other folks can take. And so degendering those policies makes room for men, but it also um, creates a more inclusive culture for LGBT uh, employees as yes. well. Wonderful point. Wonderful point. And again, this will come up a little bit later, but one of the things that you probably heard in Rachel's comments is that, you know, by, um, you know, whether it's two dads or a dad taking regular solo responsibility for a child early on, it really does have a different impact around their engagement with family all along. Um, and so it's that something about supporting dads early on to have that solo responsibility where they're stumbling through it just like moms and learning how, somehow to make it work. And it has a really long-term positive impact. I want to give an example, a real life example. Cameron, we're so glad you're here. Um, I'm going to briefly tell Cameron's story so that she doesn't have to focus on that, uh, the, 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 the school, the part I know, and instead we get to hear the part I don't know as much. Um, I met uh, Cameron because I know her mom. Her mom and dad are uh, both great examples of what Third Path's been advocating for a long time. They have been people who are care a lot about their careers and moving ahead in their careers, but they also have always cared a lot about their family and wanted to think about ways they could do things outside the box um, so they could have a commitment to work and a commitment to family. Um, and, and you can read more about uh, Cameron's mom and some of our, uh, our third path leader guide, for example. She's the one who ended up taking summers off. So working a, a flex year schedule so she could have time with her kids during the summers. But Rob's story is just important, her, her father. He made a change early in their career so that he could be the one who flexed more after school and around Michelle's life when work was extra busy for Michelle, Rob played a huge and important role in Cameron's life growing up too. So Cameron really watched both her parents think in strategic ways around how do we do our work so we have plenty of time as a family. And when I talked to Cameron a while ago, I said, hey, Cameron, how would you feel about talking to people about what it was like to grow up with parents who were modeling this for you? And has it shaped or influenced what you're thinking about when you try to imagine these issues? I know this is a big question, uh, and I thank you so much for being someone who's willing to try to share your thoughts about it. What comes to mind, Cameron, about all that? Yeah, thanks, Jessica. Um, so, yeah, like, like Jessica had touched on a little bit, when I think about my childhood, uh, well, for one, it's it's like, you know, the way that a fish recognizes water, you, you really don't. Um, so in my situation, um, I did not, I was not at all aware that my parents were modeling this. And as a matter of fact, I, um, you know, told Jessica about a few times in really adulthood that it dawned on me that my parents were modeling something that was not typical for all families. Um, and when I think about those, you know, when my sister and I were young, it was, you know, mom had morning before school and um, dad had after school. And then depending on, you know, the day, one of them had homework and there was never an obvious person to call if you felt sick at school. It was very uh, divide and conquer, if you will. And then um, that's just, you know, that's just inherent to my sister and I's nature when we, when I became, you know, an adult and I'm now a handful of years into the workforce now, um, starting to have these conversations with my own husband as a newly married person, um, 
it, it really took a long time for me to realize that 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 was unique. And so for us, you know, we've started to think about it and I can give a little bit of history that he comes from a slightly more traditional family than I do. And so we've had to be kind of tactical to say, okay, here's something that's in my nature um, versus the nature and the, the real world lived experience that you have. And how are we going to make this work for both of us? Because, um, I have a job that I love as this he. And so we've had to start strategizing a little bit to now intentionally model the thing that I did not realize was being modeled for me all along. And so um, I think what's so interesting about it is that it really happened in a single generation. There was, it, was, it was a step function. My parents modeled this and then it became inherent in my sister and I. It didn't take, you know, our kids to finally achieve this goal that my parents were going for, it just became our nature. And so um, I think there's so much necessary and valuable work that goes into changing our language and changing our commercials and our movies. But for me, it all happened at home. It was, it was so straightforward. Um, and and that, that is not to underplay. I know the amount of very intentional work that went into it by my mom, my mom and dad, but for my sister and I, um, we were a blank slate and, and then now we go out into the world and we just operate that way. And so um, hopefully I'm able to uh, work with my husband to find what works for us and then I can continue that through our own kids in the future. Um, so yeah, just building a little bit on what you said, Jessica, but one of the most profound things was just that it was it really was as simple as them being relentless and committing to their model and upholding it from the time I was a young child and all the way now as, you know, an adult. And so, um, you know, I have to fully credit them for that, but it's just been amazing to see how little I even knew, you know, what they were intentionally working on, on in that regard. Yeah, no, thank you. It, it was fun to talk to you about that because, you know, obviously my kids grew up watching this too. And I could tell you some stories about how both of them, that's such a good analogy. They didn't even know that they were in a specific kind of water. They were just living that way um, until they got out and saw other families and other peers doing it so differently. Um, I want to emphasize for those who are listening in. So Cameron's parents did two things differently. And it's important to hear that there's two things that they did differently. One is they really thought differently about gender. Both parents were equally capable of caregiving, equally capable of working. They just were absolutely clear that that was going to be the way that they functioned and it functioned very well and and to everybody's benefit. Uh, I think her parents would both agree that they feel they could have a happier marriage and Rob would say he's got a happier life because of the roles he's played as a, as a very actively involved father. That's one change they made. The other is they very intentionally created time. They didn't let their careers take over their lives, but instead had careers be part of their lives. And so they very carefully thought about how do I do work in a way where I still can have time to really enjoy many other things alongside of work. And what we'll, won't have time to talk about today is, you know, there's lots of skills they learned and they became excellent employees as a result of that uh, and moved ahead in their careers because they were intentional and said, I can't do it all. Let me do what I'm best at and let's focus on that. And so there's two messages in Cameron's story that's important to hear about. One is gender, but the other is really creating time for their lives. Pilar, I'm going to jump ahead to you, um, not because there isn't more they want to hear from Cameron in a little bit. When, when you're out there trying to help 
advocate for change? What makes you smile today that you're hearing us talk about? What is, how is this um, you know, shaping up along some of the important things you're doing with Project Matriarch? What would you like to add to the conversation, Pilar? Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, first and foremost, thank you very much, Jessica, for having me. And it's been like very much of an honor to to hear everyone kind of talking about the different work that they've been doing in this space. Um, honestly, Cameron, when you were just talking and Rachel, I think kind of like I was definitely thinking and, and lighting up and smiling. I don't know if that was <laughs> visible, but um, very excited just by the the way in which this is really kind of trickling down to the next generation. Obviously, I'm in a different generation and younger, um, but the way in which kind of a specific way of parenting can really influence um, kids and, and those around them. And I think that that is why we're so excited to be in partnership with you, Jessica, and Third Path, because I think that the way it's it's very enlightening, I think, for me and Lola's my co-founder over there, and she'll be talking in a second. But um, we can work for this thing that we as we neither of us are parents or have any necessarily like formal caregiving responsibilities at this time. Um, and so we are working towards kind of bringing our generation into this conversation and getting this conversation started in our generation before it's kind of too late. And so what does that look like to talk to other college students, high school students, young adults before they're kind of making those decisions around caregiving responsibilities and exactly what Cameron, you were just talking about um, in kind of both your own marriage and your parents. Um, but how do we really have that be a crucial conversation to kind of how we find partners, as Amy was talking about, or how we um, really just engage in the workforce and in our in our life and society. Um, and so I think hearing the benefit and the interaction that it has both in a corporate and work sense as well as um, familial is very important and kind of reinvigorating for me at least. Um, and so yeah, Project Matriarchs, we're specifically trying to work to have this conversation be something that we're having on a very peer-to-peer basis as well as kind of in our generation, one of the generation, Gen Z, um, that is kind of most well-known for our advocacy and for really standing up on a number of different issues. But how do we make care and caregiving something that is also integral to the way that our generation is defined and what we care about? Um, and so Lola and I and all of Project Matrix have been working very hard on kind of centralizing care, whether it's parents, elder care, care for each other ourselves um, as something that is an integral part of how we also kind of work around advocating for other social justice issues, whether it's um, different racial injustice or environmental injustice or whatever it may be, but the way in which we kind of expect care is something that is going to be there and apparent in those relationships and in our ability to succeed in those areas um, is something that I think we often take for granted and expect that it will kind of be there. And so how do we change that attitude to really value care and prioritize it as something that we need to first implement these policies and have this be a part of the conversation so that we can actually achieve these other important, arguably in a lot of ways, more important to kind of like the success of the outward facing um, values, but we need to first prioritize care as something that is going to get us there yeah. rather kind of the other way around as this can be an afterthought yeah. of, you know, this is what I'm going to advocate for before I get my first job. And then once I'm in my first job, I'm going to, you know, kind of secondhand think about, oh, paid parental leave is something that I guess I care about or, oh, wow, like this is something that I expect, but don't necessarily know the way um, to have those conversations or to how to really get that before I'm in my job. Um, so we're trying to work with our generation beforehand. Wonderful. And, you know, let's, so let's all of us think of this as just a beginning of a conversation that we can keep on maybe having every year 
and gathering more and more people to talk about it because I do think it'll make a huge difference, Pilar, to get these conversations started earlier in people's lives. How powerful it made uh, a difference in Cameron's life to watch her parents do something different. How powerful to get Gen Z thinking about these issues now um, so that we can really shape a very different workplace and society. And I just want to give you one funny example, and then I want to get, let Amy and Sue uh, share a thought if they want to about what they've heard from this, the, the second group of panelists. I have a board member who, way before he had kids, decided he would start teaching a class when he was in his, uh, early in his career and got you know, the, the green light to teach a class in addition to his job because he knew if he was teaching a class, there was going to be a certain time each week he had to disappear for this class, and there was a certain time over the week he had to prepare for the class, and the class was very aligned with the work he was doing. But what he didn't tell his job was, and this is going to teach me work-life integration skills, because I actually have to step away from work very predictably and be prepared for this class, and I'm doing it very intentionally because one day I want to be a dad who can do this. And so, again, I think they are just beginning the conversation of ways we can start helping young people think ahead about these ideas. And as you heard, you know, really create lasting relationships that, you know, work as teams all the way across their, their careers, uh, supporting excellent care. And as one of you pointed out, not just for family, but for elder care, too. I can see that with Jeff and I. Amy or Sue, is there one quick thing we want to add to what you've heard in today uh, from, from the next generation about these ideas? And then I'm going to get us thinking about what, the, uh, what our town hall will look like. I just am so struck by what Cameron said of the, um, you know, sort of how a fish recognizes water, they don't, right? Like the more that we can grow up in these environments that it isn't even called out. It's just the way that we do things. So the more, if that isn't something that you're experiencing in your life, wherever you are, whether you're a manager or a teenager, seeking those places out where you are exposed to different ways of living and different ways of, of interacting with the world and with your life. I, my whole life, I've been drawn to the outliers and the iconoclasts who really push those boundaries and just live in ways that most of us don't. And um, I would just encourage people to seek them out. And I'll just weigh in, you know, I have a, a 15 year old um, who is you know, LGBTQ and this generation, one of the things that I love about the younger generation coming up is they don't want to be put in a box, right? And that's very powerful in a multitude of ways, including in the workplace. They're going to be trailblazers. They're going to do things in a different way and come up with creative solutions that, you know, Gen Xers uh, didn't think of or didn't think would work, right? That we were a little bit cynical sometimes. And this generation is not cynical and they're like, I love the sort of bombast of the younger generation, too, of like, no, that's not working. Clearly, <laughs> look at you. <laughs> and they'll just go for it and, and create something new. So again, like that hope that I spoke of earlier, that's one of the biggest reasons for it is because of the younger generation and how they are just so free thinking. And I hope they always keep that. 
wanted to say too, I love Cameron's story and I love the work that Lola and Pilar are doing. I think it's really important because I often see students not really thinking very proactively, like undergraduate students thinking that the challenges of, you know, the mommy track or the work interruptions impacting your career is really like more of a my generation issue than it is for them. So I think creating that awareness ahead of time, early on, before you're thinking about kids, gives them that strategic advantage to plan ahead. And I think that fits right in with that, uh, the Frontal Leap Playbook. I also wanted to say we often focus on, on girls and thinking that it's really important for um, female identifying kids to I, to see strong female role models. But I also think an equal amount of emphasis needs to be placed on uh, the, the, providing those model, that modeling behavior for young men to see um, that it's okay to care, that it's actually great to care and engage in caregiving. Um, so it, we need to be, we're not going to get to equity until we have more engagement um, from women. As Arlie Hostchild said, we are not going to get to gender equity until um, men are as engaged in caregiving as women are engaged in uh, paid work. So, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. And, and talk about profound change for young men. Um, I can see this with my son, how much he is leaps and bounds ahead of some of this very, the box that so many men are put into about what's appropriate and not appropriate, just because he's grown up with a very involved, actively involved father who role modeled something completely different around having feelings and being connected and caring. Uh, so it's very, very profound, many generations profound. We really wait too long. And a couple people have brought that up. So we, you know, when we have people come to us and they're like, oh, great, I'm going to give this as a baby shower gift. We're like, that's great, but give it as a graduation gift from high school and have it read <laughs> in a, you know, in a college class. Have it, like, we need to engage with these conversations way before they happen because to Rachel's point, it's too late. You, it's, it's how you choose your partner. It's what career you choose. It's what, you know, all of those things are impacted by these decisions. Yes. Yes. Wonderful. Wonderful. Excellent point to add. Thank you, everybody. This has been fabulous, but we have more to come. Um, for those of you who can stay on, today is one of those days where we set it up as a town hall kind of discussion. Hey, thank you so much, everybody. Those were amazing uh, ideas generated about how we can really make the next generation change around uh, the, their vision of what's possible around work-life integration. Um, and, you know, just to give you a couple of examples, an immediate one that might happen, a book club around the Parental Leave Playbook with younger people thinking ahead about these issues. Um, a storybook for kids, showing them families that look different and doing things differently. Uh, a job assessment checklist that you can use to see that, you know, salary is one aspect of your job, but maybe you also want to think about how much flexibility is supported at this workplace and who is working there in a different way that looks like the way you'd like to be working. So lots of great ideas from our town hall today around what's next, how we can make change, and generally a plan that we want to do this again next year. I really enjoyed our conversation. It was fabulous. So, Rachel, thank you so much for all that wisdom, all the wonderful work you're doing. What's one last takeaway you want to share with everybody? And then we're going to hear from Cameron after you. 
Yeah, I, this has been a fantastic uh, conversation. I've been thrilled to be a part of it. I look forward to next year's <laughs> event already. Um, I think one thing I want to take away is as I slave away in my little office, crunching numbers and working on the research on the academic side of things, it's really bolstering for me to know that there are people doing like boots on the ground with the Center for Parental Leave Leadership and uh, Project Matriarch who are kind of working on this in the in the public space as well. So for me, I kind of have hope for the future with Pilar and Ola and all the work that they're doing. And then again, just it's been really it's rewarding for for me um and often we're quite siloed in academia and so to step out have conversations and hear the work that's um happening uh is really is really uh reinforcing uh the importance of the work that we're doing wonderful 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 and so cameron again obviously your story made a big difference hearing it today thank you so much for taking some time with us and sharing what your experience growing up was like any last thoughts you want to share, Cameron? Yeah, th thanks again, Jessica, and everybody who shared. It was it was really wonderful for me to you know hear about everybody's backgrounds and uh, specialties. Even though we do have a topic that kind of um, you know relates us all, uh, I will say because I you know have so many memories and lived experiences regarding a lot of the things we've talked about. One thing I'm really excited to look into more is the parental leave topic because that is a part of my life that I would not have any memory of and to really equip myself as I'm moving into um, that next step of my marriage and my family planning um, and really understand how that can sometimes be the groundwork for um, the third path if you will so <laughs> thank you everybody well said well said and I'm going to open it up to um, the the whole panel yeah, definitely. I mean, I think echoing what everyone else has just said, um, but I think just like the candid conversations and able to kind of like share everyone's own experience and then come out of that as, as brainstorming some different ideas. And I think that in my experience has just been what Lola and I have kind of gotten away from these conversations and events like this, especially this one, um, but just being able to kind of bounce ideas off of one another, especially become because we're all coming from different positions. Um, and then also just very grateful for everyone who's kind of been through these different processes, whether it's um, the successes and the, the challenges and whatnot, but being candid and, and genuine with that, I think is super helpful in these conversations. And so isn't something I can speak yeah. to, but really appreciate those who can. Wonderful. Wonderful. It's really fun to bring a group of smart people like everybody is here today together to think. So Sue or Amy, last thoughts. Um, I'm just really appreciating the focus on parental leave as the beginning of a family formation in a career and full life cycle and how all of those pieces really start before parental leave, but it's a nice moment that most people can recognize to focus in on that. Um, and really what I would love for all of us to do in all of our work is just continue with that drumbeat of this is a moment where we can learn these behaviors, we can learn these better ways of working in this third pathway and take those with us through all of those other, other times that we need it. I just experienced yeah. my mother's death last week. And if I did not have this kind of um, framework and be able to really take myself away from my work in the ways that I needed, I would be in a much different place than I am now. So I'm really grateful yeah. for that full life cycle awareness. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Thank you, Amy. Thank you. It is. It's amazing to me how much I, the, all the tools I've been using all continue to be so critical. Sue, the last, last word. I just want to encourage anyone who's out there listening to think of this as a leadership opportunity, right? You can carve out the kind of life that you want to a greater extent than you think is possible. You don't have to wait for people to hand you the plan. You can be proactive and create a plan that's going to work for you. The worst they can do is say no. And often you are going to be the person who is showing what's possible and not improving just your own life, but the possibilities for everyone in your organization and in your circle of community as well. Yeah. And Sue, we are such a believer in that at Third Path because what we've seen and we can see with Cameron's story is that, you know, the people who are setting these, uh, breaking down some boundaries back then are really have made a big difference today. And that will only expand with some of the work we're all going to be doing. So thank you everybody. And you can continue the conversation by following us on social media, joining us on Facebook or registering for the next Thursday webinar or next year when we do this one again. So thanks everybody. Really great to have you. you.